What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Break and Build, episode number five. This is a brand new beginning for us. Brand new beginning. I'm Brad. Make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe, do all those fun things for us. Give us a follow. Give us a rating if you like what we're doing. Uh, we love you know putting this content out for you. Let's just get into it. And I am Billy, where we take a break from your life and build your life in a positive direction. So today we're getting into the amazing um, AGL downfall, but just starting off, guys. So me and Brad get all the way to doing Smite clothing, right? And so we're working really hard, really, really hard. And it was a, an amazing time for us. And so I remember this specific instance where we are literally finishing setting up for this huge venue. So we have massive amounts of clothes, massive amounts of uh, people that are going to be buying. We're in this venue in downtown Atlanta that is kind of like this like first intro uh, venue for Smite, right? So me and Brad uh, went hard on all these clothes. We spent thousands and thousands of dollars on all these clothes. We took the time out to make sure that each color that we picked out was like perfect. I remember like feeling that feeling when we were in the venue. It was like nothing I ever felt before because we literally had our own first clothing booth that we, me and Brad set up. Brad's amazing at doing all these things. So he like take time to like individually put all the racks together and all these black racks in the background and the, the lighting was like perfect and everything was like shining up on our clothes. We even had clothes hanging up on these hangers in our booth and it, it just looked awesome. And it was like the first most surreal feeling ever. And we were like getting ready to crush it on the first day. Right. And, and then we get this information that somehow somebody leading back to arena gaming finds out that Brad, because one of the operators at uh, Smite tweets out or posts a photo and somebody sees Brad in this photo. And this is the first day, let me mind you guys. We haven't even started selling yet. Nothing's even happened. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden, this humongous drama unfolds on Reddit, right? Yep. And well, in the photo, oh, the photo was me in a server rack. So like a giant server rack that's mm -hmm. like four feet by two feet. So it looks like a cage. So it basically looks like me in a cage and that photo gets tweeted out like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. And boom. Internet yep, explodes on us. From AGL. <laughs> and so this is probably six, at least months later. And yeah. the internet explodes. This is how much people were like really, really upset about whatever happened. And we still had massive amount of trolls thinking that we literally just like tried to steal everybody's money and go away. And so this stuff comes out and it comes to the leaders of Smite's attention. And we are already fully invested, thousands of dollars of clothes. The whole thing's ready to set up. The event hasn't started. And this drama just like spills outside. And all of a sudden, Brad gets information that they know that we owe players money still. And yep. so Brad comes to me and walks down this like super musty you know like walkway coming up to the booth it's all lit up perfectly i'm like high on top of the world excited to start connecting <laughs> with people and get back out there again like literally my morale is so high and brad just goes yo smite just found out about agl and they're making they're saying if we don't pay the players right now which we didn't really have that much money we're done we are not going to be able to sell for smite yeah. After we've invested probably twenty to thirty thousand dollars in clothing. Yeah, and it and it makes sense, you know, from a company's standpoint, you know, from their end, like being affiliated with something like that without knowing the full details or understanding what the full details are and whether or not, you know, you agree or disagree with the full details, you know, of a situation like that. Uh for a company of that stature, it's typically best to not be associated with just any drama, right? Especially when you're doing your first launch tournament and big esports event and stuff like that. You don't want anything like that to bring down the excitement of launching something like that. So it was, you know, completely understandable. So uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally understandable. <laughs> it's I uh, absolutely react the exact same way that they yeah. did. However, me then gets super upset because we put so much time and effort into this. And Brad just basically says, Hey, this is what I heard. We're not going to make any money for four days worth of complete 
insane work that's about to come. And I'm just like, oh my God. So I walk outside. It's literally like the sun setting. It's like this crazy scape downtown Atlanta. I walk into this like deserted parking lot and I'm like, dude, I'm done, man. Like I'm so upset right now. And Brad like literally chases me out. Like we're, <laughs> we just broke up in a couple's relation. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember after that, literally sitting in the hotel and PayPaling every single person money because that's literally what we had to do. And we took care of it right then in that very instance to, you know, be able to, you know, just cool all the waters and move on. And, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot more that goes into it. <laughs> so how did we get to this point where me and Brad oh, are man. literally sitting in the parking lot and we're about to like break up as a relationship because Billy's upset because we literally just lost any profits that we were going to have from this event. And Brad's literally putting on an event at the same time and trying to put out a different yeah. fire at the same time, which I, he handled really, really well. Kudos to you, man. That was, that was really impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's just like a huge punch in your gut, right? From every angle. It's like, okay, we worked this hard to build up to this, but then I'm also trying to start my career at the same time. And it was you know, seconds away from ending both of those, you know, dreams in a matter of a second. So building up to that and how we got there, obviously we talked about where AGL kind of ended and where we ended up, you know, the venue canceled on us. We basically had to shut everything down and we went into limbo. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to react. We didn't know how to be transparent. We didn't know how to do any of that. We were not mature enough. We were not experienced enough. And Right. If we had that same exact situation right now, it would be handled so different. It's not even funny. So different. But you don't know how to handle that until you're in situations like that, or you have a mentor that is knowledgeable enough to handle that. And honestly, at that time, the internet was still so new. All the stuff online was so new. There's not really anybody out there that could have told you how to handle a situation like that. Because like it's it's online bullying it's online stuff like nobody knows what to do now there's been so much stuff like that that has transpired over the past 10 years you know how to respond to these things you know how to be public about it you know how to answer stuff in a good pr and marketing way we had no idea back then there was nobody else except mlg that had done anything before us and you know we just we had no idea we were so green the scene was still so green so like we said we picked up Billy moved to Georgia and you kind of started on your own path, uh, you know, the health lifestyle and stuff. And you started to go back to school, right? Isn't that why you yeah, went to Georgia? Exactly. So as we talked about with like a lot of my health issues, um, they really started to get a little bit better towards this time. And I think we'll probably go into another whole episode. We can talk about health and stuff, but virtually I ended up seeing some nutritionists um, who really started to help me with supplementation, with uh, diet changes, with rest, with really trying to teach me what's important about the staples of health. So I was really starting to get better. And actually, when I was 14, from all the skateboarding, uh, four years worth, it's a very like imbalanced sport. So anybody out there that skateboards, I really suggest that you don't just skateboard. <laughs> because if you think about it, you're jumping up off your right foot if you're regular and then sucking your left knee up to your chest. And so like that imbalance of hip movements, right? Your, your hips rocked off to the side, took me to a chiropractor. And so once I went to that chiropractor, I literally was having trouble walking at 14 years old. And I was like, really scared. I was like, geez, man, like I'm only 14 and I'm having trouble with my hips. And so I, I told my parents that I needed to go to a chiropractor. Nobody told me about chiropractic. Nobody told me about anything. And I literally asked my mom a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know, when I was 14 and I came to you, how did I know that I need to go to a chiropractor? She's like, I don't know. You just came to me and told me you need to go. And I was like, geez, like I thought that maybe she like suggested it. So apparently I was a health pioneer and I didn't even know it at the time. So I took myself to a chiropractor, obviously under my parents' agreement, and they really started to help me out. So my whole family started going to a chiropractor at that time. We got so obsessed with going to the chiropractor because we all started feeling so good. Because think about it. If you're going to take care of your feet, your teeth, right? you're going to go to a dentist and you're going to go there consistently. And yet we tend to neglect taking care of our spines, which literally is the flow of energy through our entire nervous system. So this is like becomes like a pinnacle port of my life to start 
really starting to care for myself as an athlete. And I didn't really do it, but this little particular thing did. And so my brother ended up going there. So he wanted to become and got so inspired to be a chiropractor, which he is today. And so David needs to go to Atlanta to go to school. And me and Brad just finished. I was really starting to get healthier. The AGL just burned down. So nothing was tying me and Brad to Chicago. And so I was like, yo, Brad, like, you know, my brother's going to do this. I'm really starting to feel like I want to do nutrition. So me and my brother are going to open our own practice. We can still keep doing bona fide. So David needs to go to Atlanta because the school, there's a couple of good chiropractic schools. One's in San Francisco. We have one in Atlanta. There's one in Texas and there's one in Iowa. And the two really good ones that are notable are in Iowa and Atlanta. So David's like, I'm going to move. And I'm like, you know, I don't really like the winter anymore. Like 24 years of Chicago winters, Brad can attest to this is like, pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly don't want to go back ever. <laughs> At that point, you're just completely done. So yeah. I'm, I'm done with the winter and I'm like, yo, Brad, I'm going to move to Atlanta. And Brad probably like, what were you feeling at the time when I'm like, just do like, I'm just moving after we all built this stuff and like everything fell down. Like, where were you at? Uh, I mean, I think I didn't really know. I didn't know what my next step was or anything like that. I literally had no idea. So I think I understood from the standpoint that, you know, I picked up and left, you know, to go to Georgia a few years earlier. But so like under, I understood that it was like, we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know anything like that. So we kind of needed to uh, focus on other things and we needed to get, you know, your brain and your mentality back on track because we were in such a dark place and in such a low, you have to pick yourself up. So like, you know, I think it was something where it's like, yeah, go for it. And, you know, I wanted to get out of Chicago again as well. And I didn't really know where my next step was yet at that point. Um, I will preface it because I know we'll get into this eventually with your health stuff. This dude is like a witch or a wizard and it is insane. <laughs> and I, and there are so many skeptical people out there that say like stuff like that, can't happen and doesn't help with what he does and we will go over it but i can tell you from firsthand experience his magic like it works like i i it it works i had a really bad injury and it works so like it is crazy yeah. when we start getting into that stuff so just a quick reference to that so that people aren't left in the dark what he's talking about is um the things that really started to help me were basically being able to communicate with people's nervous systems by just asking them simple questions it's called muscle response testing or muscle testing it's basically just you're able to ask the body if you're in like a very neutral state and say like i wanted to be like you know uh how are you doing today virtually we can do that and ask somebody that and then we can get a response back from the nervous system and so that's what Brad means by like being a, a wizard because it does, it's crazy. Like you can't deny the responses that you get and it's so accurate. Like that's literally how I got well. And like you doing, don't believe it until, until yeah. somebody does it on you and it fixes your problem. And then you're just like, what just happened? <laughs> like, I kid you not. Uh, I'm not yeah, even going into the specifics of what it is. We'll talk about that. Episode. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so you, you moved down to, to Atlanta and then, um, I was actually at, uh, an event out in Texas and I met the guys over at high res and smite and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And just kind of, what was that? It was, was a dream. Hat? It was RTX. So it was RTX oh, out okay. in Austin, yeah, Texas. Yeah. And just kind of developed this relationship that they were going to have events and they had their first event, which was in like December of 2014, 2013, 2013, one of those years. And, um, it was like their first event in Atlanta. And because we had done so much stuff and they really hadn't done any esports stuff yet, they're like, Hey, why don't you come down and consult for the people that are going to be doing stuff? And I was like, Oh, that works perfect. Like Billy just moved there two weeks ago. And so I was like, Hey, Billy, I'm just going to come stay with you for like a week and I'm going to do this event and, you know, see where it goes and, and what happens. Um, so I go, so if I'm not mistaken, yeah. you packed up your car though. Well, I packed up like all the gear that we had, like I packed up like all the okay. production stuff yeah. and everything like that. They told me not to bring any of it, but I brought all of it anyways. And I was like, I'm just going to bring everything because right. you never know. 
Always be over-prepared. Over-prepared. You have to. Over-prepared. You You have have to. to. Especially when you're going into any type of event, any type of anything where it's like you need equipment, they might not have the equipment. Imagine if you showed up without that equipment, like not way over-prepared and just never have to use it. It's, it's a, and also it's a a morale booster because it's going to sit back in the bottom of your mind. Like, man, I was so prepared for this event and I had everything I need. So like, you're never that anxious because Brad's already comfortable with all his equipment. He knows exactly what his equipment is. And so he didn't do that. Like, you know, you might not be even as confident going into that event, depending on what they had. So how did that play out for you? Cause he literally comes down. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to stay for like a week. I was like, cool, man. Like we just moved there. You know, we had like this super jank setup. We had like our TV on this weird thing. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't even do, I don't even think we had couches yet. Like, <laughs> no, I don't think there was anything. I remember, I remember being at your house, and uh, the, for the buildup of the event and after event, this was also right when um, the very first Tomorrow World was happening here in, yeah. in in Georgia, and you guys were all going, and I was like, oh, I can't go because I got this event and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, I don't even know. Before I get into the event stuff, I was like, somebody told me that I needed to watch Breaking Bad, and like. And so like, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. And I literally binge watched in like two and a half days from episode one. Cause what was happening was the final season was coming out like that Saturday. And I was like, oh dude, I got to watch all of this before the final season comes out. So I watched all of the seasons up until that very last one in like that two day time span. I literally was just laying on Billy's floor watching this on my laptop for literally 48 plus hours straight, just binge watching <laughs> the entire thing start to finish. And then on, yeah, and we did like a four day festival and dude. Brad's four day festival was breaking bad. <laughs> He's watching TV. I would come back like literally exhausted. We're at a festival all day long, you know, sweating. It's dark and Brad's still watching TV. Yeah. Just in the dark room, just what hadn't moved all day. Right. And, and I was just doing that in between going to the venue and setting up and practicing and stuff like that. So I just binge watched that entire thing. And it's an amazing show. I love binge watching stuff. And that probably set me up for my binge watching problems that I have now of watching every movie and TV in existence. Absolutely pro binge watcher. Brad can multitask like nobody I've ever seen. Me trying to multitask, like (laughs) I literally get not like my productivity goes from if it's at, let's just say I'm like 70% productive. It goes to like 10% if I'm trying to do two. If I'm trying to watch TV and edit a video, it will take me six and a half hours to edit that video. Brad can literally like do that at the exact same time, no problem, and comprehend both things. And I'm just and like, I'll probably be having a full conversation with somebody else. And having a conversation <laughs> with Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have multiple areas of my brain. You doing that just made me unproductive. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so like I do that and then I'm, I'm going to this event and stuff. And the first thing I remember walking into this event is meeting the people who now, like I actually have really good relationships with for a long time. They do stuff with me for all the events that I do here in Atlanta. Um, but I remember meeting them for the first time. They've never done a stream before. So the first thing that I hear from them is they've never done a stream. So I go, Oh my God. And they've never done esports. So I'm like, okay. So they have this like video switcher, right? So you need a video switcher to switch cameras. So they know that much. And I go, where's your computer? I literally ask them, where's the computer? And you go, what do we need a computer for? <laughs> and that is the moment you know you need to go pull everything out of your car that you brought. <laughs> they did not say that yes. need a computer. Yes, they did. They, they literally oh had no idea how to stream. They had no idea what you needed. These people were like used to like rock band stuff where you just show stuff on big screens. They had no idea what was going on. So I basically get all my stuff out of the car. I set it all up. I start going through it. Not to mention, this venue is literally like seven minutes away from where yeah, I'm at. Yeah, literally. Like, this is, this is insanity. Like it's seven minutes away from where I am now at in Atlanta. And we didn't even try to do that. Yeah. I had no thought about that. It's insane. And so I'm talking to like the directors and stuff like that. Uh, they're guys that, you know, bring all the camera gear and they direct a bunch of like music videos and TV stuff and movies. So they're very familiar with like directing and producing shows and stuff like that. So they're pretty confident. And now we're in like day 
three of like just getting set up and figuring stuff out. We had a lot of planning and stuff for this event because it was the first one. So they had a lot of extra time. Now we would never have that much time. Um, so now I start to get sick and I start to get sick while I'm setting up this final day. And then the show's the next day. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm starting to get sick. I'm starting to feel like crap. So I get everything set up and I'm like, nobody else knows how to run anything. So if I get sick right now and, and, and mind you, like I'm not getting paid to run this event. I was getting paid to consult for it. And now I end up setting everything up and basically teaching everybody how to run this event, minding that I might not even be there to oversee what's happening. And so everything gets set up. We do rehearsals. Everything goes off as smooth as you can possibly expect it. There's always going to be issues. What would be the possibility of them actually being able to run that event without you being there? I think what would have happened is there would have been no stream and they would have just played the games. I really don't think there would have been any sort of stream. I don't think it would have been comprehensible or possible, or if it was, there probably would have been audio issues. There probably would have been video quality issues because they just, they, they didn't know what OBS was. They didn't know any of streaming stuff. So when you have nobody that knows how to do any of that stuff, it's just like, how, how does it even happen? So who knows what would have ended up happening? Um, I'm sure that they would have pulled something together. It probably just would have not, um, been as good as they would have hoped, you know? Um, mm. and so then we go into event day and I'm feeling pretty good in the morning. I'm like, all right, I'm feeling pretty good. I can run this event. And I just kind of start, you know, calling the event. And as the day, it was a long event. Like this probably went, it was only, it was like three show matches. It was like between a bunch of YouTubers. It was like all the creatures were there. So it was all the creatures mm -hmm. and it was like the pro team Dignitas players and they were doing show matches and playing each other and stuff like that. And I think it was like a best of three for them. So it was like th those games end up lasting 30 to 45 minutes typically. So, and then there was time before and after. So I'm probably there for like eight to 10 hours that day. Uh, and as I, we start calling the event, there's so much like smoke in the room from like for the lights and stuff like that. And so like, I already wasn't feeling good. And now that starts to like get in me and just affect my breathing even more. And so I'm calling this show and I just start losing my voice and I just start like getting sweats and I just feel like I'm going to pass out and just die. And like, so, but like, I got to get through it because nobody else like knows how to use the stuff that I set up. It's all my equipment. So like, <laughs> I remember I couldn't talk. So I'm calling the show with hand signs like for half oh of the show. Goodness. So like, yeah, the directors are there and I'm like calling stuff with hand signs of like, I'm just like going like three, two, one with hand signs and everything like that. And I'm doing everything via hand signs. Cause like I physically like cannot talk. My voice is literally gone. And, uh, so like we get through it all. And then like, I'm like, okay, I'm unplugging my equipment. I'm like, I'm out guys. I feel like crap. I got to leave. And then I remember just going to Billy's and like, I think I slept for like the next two days because I, I was just dead and I just could not, I was so sick. So that was, that was my first like adventure, you know, doing an event for somebody else and just getting the, that experience of working with other companies. But that really kickstarted my career that I have had since. And you know, they loved what I did. They loved working with me and everything like that. So, you know, they wanted me to start doing more contract work with them. And then that kind of started to lead us into our next step of the clothing and the gaming stuff, which was as simple yeah. as, as, you know, the next step was they were going to launch the game. And that was the launch tournament that we started talking about. And, you know, once I got wind of that, and that's what I was planning for next, um, you know, we just kind of said, Hey, have you guys thought about doing any merchandise? Do you guys need shirts or anything? And they needed shirts, you know, for all the attendees for giveaways and stuff like that. So then we just kind of developed a plan with the company with Bonafide, um, you know, to be able to get all of their merchandise that they needed for their staff and for all the attendees and stuff like that. But then we also wanted to be like, Hey, why don't we sell stuff on site? And, um, lo and behold, the process of that before, before you jump too far ahead. Yeah. I just want to point something out for all the listeners out there is what you did, right? So you know that you have a valuable skill set, right? You've developed this valuable skill set for two years now, right? And at, you know at that, that point, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And you know that you're confident in that skill set. So what skill set I'm talking about is Brad, basically it's virtually producing TV. Like it's virtually, that's what you're doing when you're running a stream, especially when we were doing it towards the end of AGL, you know, Brad's literally back there. Like, okay, we, we have our microphones in, we have, all right, we're going to switch to camera in three, two, one. All right. Camera one. You're, he's literally switching as if he's running a broadcast for a live TV show. So that skill set that brad has he's confident in it enough so he knows that he wants to continue doing that because he's developed it so much which is totally amazing right and i'm i, I honestly like blows me away that brad completely self-taught when we get into the second tournament and i show up to start doing the close and i see like they have these like cameras with arms and like the stage is insane and i knew that like a majority of this this huge like camera camera with arms next time next time i do a show i'm gonna be like a uh, camera with arm coming to you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like i show up to that tournament i'm like geez man brad took it to the next level and i know how brad does it right it's always make stuff as good as you possibly can with the budget you have right so being at a place that had a bigger budget i obviously knew it was going to thrive so brad takes this valuable skill set and shows up to a company and doesn't pay, which is huge. Guys, like, don't be afraid to get out there and do stuff and not getting paid for it if you know how valuable you are. A lot of times, everybody's like, I don't want to work because I'm not going to get paid for it. And yeah, like Brad, maybe right now would do that because he knows like how much more valuable he has become. But still, at the same time, I mean, if Brad lost his job or whatever happened and there was a company and you need to prove yourself to that company, there's nothing wrong with getting in there and taking a, a job and not getting paid for it to just show how valuable you truly are. And Brad did that and like instantly opened a door for himself. Because imagine if Brad was like, no, you got to pay me like, you know, $10,000. I'm not really into this. And like they said, no, because they think they already have somebody like mm -hmm. that would have totally altered the entire trajectory of Brad's life. So that is genius in itself. Do not undervalue just showing up and showing how massively valuable you are for a company before they even start talking about money. Because now this company is like, okay, I don't think we could have done this without Brad because he's literally the spotlight of the show. So they're like, yes, we need Brad. Yeah, you basically, you just need to set yourself up for success and show your, like, why you're valuable, right? And show how much more success can happen with you being a part of it. And I'm a person that is very unpolitical. I will not play the political game in any work company or scenario at all. I just don't agree with making your way to the top by schmoozing, schmoozing people. I just... I, I look down upon that um, and I'm just not about it. So I basically want my work to speak for itself and I want my products and result to speak for itself. And I believe that being successful off of that stuff feels better at the end of the day. Um, yes, you can go and talk and be best friends with X, Y, and Z and work your way to the top anywhere in the world, right? Really, um, mm -hmm. you can you can do that. And some people are really good at that and kudos to them. Um, but a lot of times people that are really good at that have a lot of other qualities that are behind that, that allow them to still be successful. And for me, right. I've always just been put my head down in the dirt and put out this awesome product that people go, wow, that's amazing. Uh, we want that to keep happening. So that's kind of how my mindset has always been is, is work ethic. Um, so, you know, you just, you got, too. I mean, like Brad's developed over the time to be a little bit, I wouldn't say schmoozy, but a little bit like we talked about in the other episodes, because he was so gung ho about just products that he would just go through and rampage everything that needed to happen. Right. And he's learned to be a better manager. Right. And so yep. once you start pairing those two skills together, where it's like, this product needs to be absolutely insanely amazing to the best of our abilities every time. And once we do that, it's already uh, out of date, right? It's already out of date. So we already need to know like, what's the next best thing. And you can see that in Brad's work. Absolutely. Every single time that I showed up for an event, granted, you know, there was months to a potentially a year between those events, but it was like monumentally improved. And I was just like, dude, this is insane, man. Like you're, you're absolutely killing it. Yeah. That's all, that's all you can do is approve little by little. And, and we kind of would always live by the motto from our, great leaders, you know, at my work, um, he would always say that, you know, if you try to do something 
and it fails, you're going to get ridiculed for it and it's going to get pointed out, right? So if I, if, if no matter what it is, if you try to go and do something and make it all big and shiny, whatever it is, and it does not work out for you, well, everybody that was watching that or had a part of it or whatever, they're going to be like, oh, here's all the things that went wrong. Versus if you don't do it at all and you do something way more simple, that is 100% going to succeed. Nobody's going to even know that that other 10% that would have made it better even existed. And now all you have is the positives because you 100% succeeded. So it's it's doing stuff simpler that is you know always going to be successful rather than doing something that's complicated that has a potential of failing. And we would always go over that and say, we want to do this really cool thing. And we would go, okay, how many more people is it going to take? How much more difficulty? How much more technology? How much more points of failure? And like a point of failure for me is how many connections? It's as simple as this. If you if you take an extension cord and you plug it into your wall and that extension cord needs to reach somewhere, right? There's that extension cord to, let's say, the vacuum, right? So now your point of failures are the vacuum, the extension cord, and the house's electrical system. Now it doesn't reach. You need to add three more extension cords. Now you have the vacuum, extension cord one, extension cord two, extension cord three, and the electrical system of the house. So now you've added two more potential points of failure into the mix. And we always look at stuff like that with how many points of failure is there to make it worth it. And if there's too many points of failure, you have to minimize that risk and you have to minimize those points of failure in order to make sure that it's going to be successful and that everything is going to go smooth. Because at the end of the day, if you add those other two points of failure, if you don't do them, nobody's going to know they even existed, right? Nobody knows that those two other extension cords ever happened. Um, so don't even put them into the mix most of the time. Yeah. I mean, that's really powerful, not only because of that, but because when you're doing this type of stuff, you're literally probably plugging multiple extension cords into an outlet. <laughs> yeah. Fail the power I, tr- I tried to use a reference that everybody might understand a vacuum and an extension cord. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, dude, really good. I mean, it's powerful to take those things, you know, to know that they exist. And if you're too under the gun and it doesn't feel like it's, it's worth it, right? Just know that it exists and you can keep going for the next event of maybe we'll have a bigger budget that makes this thing that much easier. And in AGL, we totally pushed what Brad's talking about every event. Like there was always massive amounts of failure potential, but as Brad's getting into a bigger scene, right? He needs to be more conservative because like now we're not talking about 10, 20,000 people on Twitch. We're talking about potentially a hundred thousand or something that's watching on Twitch behind, you know, a humongous company where it's not about that anymore. Like there's no room for being like, Oh, our stream's down for an hour. Sorry guys. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't fly very well. (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, we do, we do that. We're just kind of learning and stuff. And the, the last thing in this episode that we kind of want to touch on is kind of the beginning of starting to get more in depth in clothing and mm-hmm. what that means and kind of the process of working with a third party essentially right and clothing with a third party and how that starts to come into play so what is your you know what is your high and your low during the first process of designing and manufacturing clothing for a third party yeah so like we talked about for third parties it's it's very challenging for me personally in this regard because, but Smite and Hi-Rez were absolutely amazing with this process. They like really were like, okay, we don't know too much about clothing. And they're like, here, design some stuff for us and show it to us. And so the initial thing was really easy for us because me and Brad were always about like really quality products. They're on board with that. You know, we just took all of their Pantheon flags, yep. right? Am I saying that right? Yep. Yes, and, and basically what a pantheon them. is, is it represents yeah. like uh, certain mythological, like Norse, Hindu, Greek, right. Um, right. things like, like a group that. group of ancient gods. So yep. if you don't know what Smite is, Brad, why don't you just tell people like in a quick couple yeah, seconds yeah, what yeah. actually Smite is before we get into talking about making clothes, because it's going to make people understand that yeah. a lot more. So Smite is a third person MOBA, and a MOBA is basically like League of Legends or Dota. And if you're not familiar with any of those, it's a top, it's a three lane map 
where you have tower defenses and you're basically fighting the other players and you're killing their towers and then you're killing their their like end base essentially um and this one instead of it being a top-down perspective it's a third person perspective so you're controlling your character it's more skill-based shooting for your abilities and stuff like that and you play all of these mythological gods um and so i think back then there was like i want to say like 30 or 40 and there's like 110 or something now like it's insane so you could basically go in this game and you can play any you know mythological god or creature that you could potentially dream of almost and you can play them in a video game atmosphere uh so that's kind of what smite is and that it's it's a game that is still growing and still booming uh definitely go play it if you haven't if you play video games um but yeah that's that's what what smite is are like thor zeus hades like you guys know who some of these gods are and then there's other gods like aphrodite who you may not know and there's other gods that you may not know but honestly the my favorite thing and the coolest thing i think that we did with smite or that really drew me to actually like want to do this for another company was the artwork is insanely awesome like literally some of my favorite artwork i've ever seen right so that fires us up and brad comes and he's like yo we got this you know uh smite's going to do a launch tournament they need staff shirts, which is easy. You know, we we design or Brad designs a simple graphic. Brad's really, really talented at like simple graphics. And so Brad designs this graphic for them. So we get an initial uh, investment virtually from that. And that enables us to have a little bit of revenue to be able to then invest completely in a complete line for them because they're not going to pay for our stuff. They're They're very clear about that. Like we need to do it, but they're willing to let us have a booth there. So we have this booth that we started talking about in the beginning of the episode that we're going to do. And so me and Brad honestly just like go crazy. So we already know we have the hat manufacturers that we talked about from arena gaming. So we already have that connect that we're like completely confident in. And then we have, um, clothing that me and Brad are still considering printing at the time. So (laughs) Brad comes to me and he's like, we're going to have this launch tournament and they need what? 3000 shirts or something. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. In like two weeks. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Or like three weeks. Let's say, I think it's three weeks. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, so we're just going to like set it up in the back of your place in Atlanta and you're <laughs> straight and you're going to get them all done. And I was like, dude, I literally took a step back and I was like, I thought about it and I was like, is that even possible for one? I was like, for two, do I even want to do this? And number three, like, is it even smart for me to do this? And I was like, no, dude, that's not what's going to happen. Like, I think I was like, okay. And I thought about it for a day because that's kind of how I process things. And I come back to Brad tomorrow and I was like, yo, what about we just source it out to Ryan? And he's like, okay, yeah, like I'll email him. So this is the Ryan that printed the strong size shirts Mm -hmm. from the other. So this is where relationship capital is huge. We haven't haven't really done anything with him in almost a year at this point. No. And the only thing we did with him was what? Uh, 144 shirts, 150 shirts. Three color shirts. Yeah. yeah. Like, so we maybe printed like 150 or 200 shirts yeah. through him. Right. And everything else we did by hand, probably a thousand that we did by hand. So now we're like, I'm like, Brad, just reach out. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I didn't even think of that. So Brad reaches out to Ryan and he's like, yeah, dude, we got you guys. And we're like, cool. And we're like, but we don't want you to buy the shirts because we want to be, you know, we, we need to get deals on this stuff. So typically when you're going to screen printing, and I think we might've talked about this, if you just tell that company you need to print it, they're going to be like, okay, yep. So I'm going to give you this design for $10. And we're like, well, how'd you get to $10? Cause we know what the shirt cost is. And there's no way that the ink costs more than the shirts. Cause most of the shirts cost a couple dollars to buy. And we've, we've bought and all the so- ink and stuff and we've done all the pricing ourselves. Yeah. So I'm like, I could print a shirt myself for two dollars and fifty cents where's ten dollars coming from (laughs) not bad but it's (laughs) it's around there right so it's maybe like depending on the shirt quality and everything like that so we're like okay well how about we just order the shirt because we already have our manufacturer set up we already have which would be ryan we have our hat manufacturer we already buy from the wholesale clothing so we know exactly how much the shirts cost Mm -hmm. we're like we'll just buy the shirts that we need and we'll just ship it to you 
And he's like, cool, we'll put you on contract pricing is what they call it. So we're like, all right, cool. So contract pricing is basically, we, we handle all of the uh, delivery of the goods to you guys. And you just have the goods show up, you print it, and you ship it to us. And basically right? what that means too is you need to submit the designs in like a perfect format for them. You need to submit it in a format that they can use. They do not have to alter the designs at all. They don't need to yep. question the colors. They don't need to question the quantities. So we developed this whole template of here's what we can deliver to him where there's no questions asked and it's an easy like snap of the finger. They can do it um, because most other places, they're going to have to format stuff. They're going to have to size stuff. They're going to have to do all this extra work on the design end and you're going to end up paying for that versus if you know how everything needs to be sized, how it's going to be separated in colors and you send it to them ready to use like that, it saves them days of work. Um, so that's that's a huge thing. And then I think the... Um, well, I forgot. I had something else, but I yeah, so, brain fire. So we're really fortunate. That's okay. That we had been developing all this stuff because we were already printing our own uh, emulsions and screens, right? So we already knew how to format a design. We already knew how the colors needed to look. We already knew how the vector images needed to be set up. So yep. we were virtually like doing, we were already making mock ups for our websites. So we were virtually like doing this. So speaking, right? of, so screen, speaking of screens, I got to cut you off before I forget this. Do you remember the screen conversation we had with him with the strong side shirt? So like we, no. we the screens that we make, um, we, we basically asked him if we could buy the screens from him so then we could print some extra ones ourselves. So the screens mm -hmm. that we, we got, they're like $30 screens. They're aluminum with, you know, like normal screen material. So it's like an aluminum. Yeah. And, and then he's like, oh, well, my screens are like, $1,500 each or something like that. And I'm like, what? So he uses like this, like crazy nylon screens that can be like reused all the time and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, you guys can buy it for me, but it's like three grand or something like that. And I'm just like, what? No, I don't. I was like, yeah, all. yeah. Cause we asked him about the strong side, the strong side stuff. And, uh, and, and yeah, I remember that. So, um, yeah, I remember the the whole we screen thing was a whole other process. Eighty to hundred dollars yeah, per screen because exactly. we were using right. <laughs> exactly, and I find out there these crazy like top of the line screens. I'm like, oh, we're in a whole other world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we're playing with the big leagues where they're literally yeah. going to print uh, a thousand shirts in like three hours. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to print a thousand shirts in a week and a half. Right, <laughs> so we're not even in the same ballpark as this company. So this is the first time Brad and I really understand that like we're way out of our league in some things, mm -hmm. right? And so it's better to start sourcing to professionals because it's going to save us time, effort, and money probably, right? Like you're obviously going to put out more money up front, but the amount of time you have to realize that your time... And here's the two things before I go into this. So you can either have more time or more money, right? So at first, we had way more time than we had mm -hmm. money. So we were able to invest our time. You're investing something always in a business, right? And so Brad had that time to invest in getting good at being a producer. Once you start getting leveraged in the other direction, because at some point, you're going to develop that skill so much that you're going to start leveraging your life in a different direction where it's like, okay, now I have a little bit less time and I have a little bit more money because I'm becoming more valuable. So my time becomes more valuable. So this is really the thing that like, I'll never screen print a shirt again. I swear. Like I will never screen print a shirt again because I would much rather pay somebody. Number one, they're going to get it right the first time. Number two, they know exactly what they're doing. And that learning curve is really, really challenging. Honestly, like I when agree. you're getting something that's that fine tuned as that, like think about how long it took Brad at this point, two years to fine tune with massive amounts of work to be able to get yourself to this producer. The same thing went into this company, but they're doing it for 10, 20, 30 years for companies that are huge that I don't know if we're able to mention what companies they do it with, but like huge companies. So he is an expert, right? Yeah. And, and the other thing too, to consider if you are, you know, working on like a contractor pricing with anybody and you are purchasing the shirts. One thing we found out, is we would count the shirts a couple of times. And I was like, oh, you know, didn't we order like this many of the size? Why is it like too short? And basically then it gets explained like when these other companies charge you for shirts, they take in account for mess ups, um, mm -hmm. whether it's mess ups of screen printing or shirts that come with like tears or holes in them because every shirt is not 
going to be perfect. Um, mm -hmm. So what they do is they take an account, hey, we have to order, you know, five extra of every size because if there's mess ups, so that gets built into your pricing. So when you're doing this, it's always better to send extras of the shirts. And then if they don't use them, they don't use them. And, you know, you have extras for another time or something like that. But um, it's better to know that up front rather than ordering a hundred shirts and having there be 10% mess ups. And cause it's like, I think the, I think that's like the average, isn't it? Isn't it like five or 10% like either come with holes in them or something gets wrong in the printing process that the shirts just get ruined. So like, if you take that in consideration, 10 out of every hundred shirts has the potential, even if it's five out of every 100, if you're planning on ordering a hundred shirts, cause you're giving somebody a hundred shirts, you need to make sure that you're accounting for those, those potential mess ups. So be very clear when you're going through that process, like if they're going to order extra shirts or have extra on hand, or if you should order a couple extra of each size in case there is issues. Um, it's just something to definitely consider because you don't want it to bite you in the butt. If you are ordering an exact amount and you come up a couple short, you know, nothing's worse than having a person standing there and going, sorry, I don't have a medium for you. Here's a two X. Cause that's the only size I have available. <laughs> you don't want to do that to somebody. Exactly. So yeah, we get the reins from Smite to just like submit designs. Cause I don't think at first they were all about the clothing booth, right? Tell me, tell me the details. Like what went on in that? Um, I don't, I don't fully remember. Um, I think that at first it was, they just wanted stuff for the event. And then after that, we kind of said, well, you know, maybe have stuff to sell to people there as well. Cause they're going to want more. Um, mm -hmm. and there wasn't a huge process yet as far as like getting stuff approved or designs or art or anything. So we pretty much just said, let's keep this simple. Let's do the pantheons because we know that that's not something we have to really redesign. It's something that's easy. And we're going to use the pantheon colors. And we basically said, here's the pantheons. Here's the colors. Is there any issues with this? And there was really no red flags or issues. So we were like, all right, cool. We can make hats. We can make shirts of these colors of these styles. And then we did one like special character driven shirt that we did have approved by them to make sure that it matched. Um, so like they did like a special skin. I think this was it the, the Thor one or was it the pool site? I think it was a pool site in one. Didn't we do a pool site in one? We did a special yeah, character pool. that matched, yeah. uh, in game, which was Poseidon and he's got a big rubber duck. Um, yeah. And so they threw a skin Poseidon and it was instead of him being like this super cool God, they made him into like this pool time Poseidon, yeah. right? And he had a rubber duck floaty, and, and instead of like pool noodle, yeah, uh, yeah, he had a pool noodle instead of what does he carry? Like, it's like a, a staff, yeah, it's like a staff. Yeah, I know there's a name for it. Um, a trident. a trident, a trident, yeah. There it is. <laughs> so yeah, so they did that, and we just made like a you know a character, uh, a character of you know that type of character. Um, so we made like which a, was honestly one of my school. favorite designs. Yeah. And we'll get into designing later because at this time we have some designers that are based in the in the US and we paid like $350 for one design. Yep. So keep that in the back of your minds as we go forward like $350 for one design that we're not even super confident that we're going to sell. Well, this one we were because we were going to a smite event, but previously we were still paying that for other designs. Yep. So we did that and then, you know, we kind of got those designs approved. We got everything ordered and stuff. And then that leads us to where we started this episode at the event where, you know, everything hit the fan on us. And when you're put in that situation, like we said, all you can do is, is move forward. You just have to figure it out and you have to say, look, we take care of this mistake that we made in the past. We learn from it and we move forward. That's all. That's literally all you can do. If you dwell on yeah. it or you try to run away from it, you're just going to make stuff way worse at that point. And, and now because we did have the means of taking care of it, it wasn't the, the worst, you know, situation in the world. And even leading up to it, like we tried our best to stay in contact with the players and being like, like my plan, I like my personal plan was to literally start paying out of my paycheck. Like here's all my extra money. And I was going to literally start paying people like as I was starting to work and stuff like that. So, you know, mm -hmm. there was never going to be this, Hey, we're, you know, screwing people over in any way or robbing people. Like no. there was never an intention. Like we said, these people were our fan friends and family at this point. And, uh, you know, we burned a few bridges and we were trying to rebuild those as best as we can, but literally in the matter of hours, 
everything got resolved and taken care of. So, yeah. so it was more of like a thing where it was like, Brad was thinking that, and then I was thinking we were going to sell some clothes. So it was like, okay, you know, each time we do one of these events, we can pay uh, a few thousand dollars back. And mm -hmm. instead the world's like, no, you're going to pay it all back right now. And you're going to make no money yeah. and you're going to work really hard. And that's just what it's going to be. And it's all going to be gone. And, and that's literally what happened. And there's nothing. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's, you say like, you know, karma comes back and gets you or whatever, but it's just the world aligning itself to make things right that went wrong. And it's as simple as that. Right. And um, sometimes the world's going to force you into places. And so me and Brad could have been like, no, which could have really, I mean, we didn't really have that choice at this point because we're fully invested in this. So in this particular situation, we just had to say yes. But in other parts of the life, like the world can really bring something to you that's like, hey, I need you to change or do something different. And it's very loud, right? Like my health thing was like loud. It was like, I need you to change. I need you to do it. Like my chiropractic experience at, at 14, I need you to do this now, right? Those are loud experiences. And I could have been like, yeah, you know, I hear you, but I'm not going to do it. The unfortunate thing about doing that is the world comes back stronger the next time and you don't want to keep having to deal with something that you're like you're the universe's energy is literally like i need you to be a better person in this direction this is what i need you to do to handle it and you're like literally given a choice and you're either like yes i'm gonna step up and do it and handle it like i really should or like no i'm not gonna do it and then the universe is just gonna come back again and be like it's stronger and louder this time so start to listen to those things in your life that you're like man like yeah, you know, this thing keeps happening. It's like, dude, because the universe literally wants you to be a better version of you. Just do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where most of the time when you are hit with something like that, where you have to make a, a decision, it's better to do the right thing rather than try to hide from it because you're going to take so much stress, anxiety, pressure off of yourself, not only right then, mm -hmm. but in the future. Like, imagine the relief of, okay, this is all taken care of. We can now look forward. We can now try to just put this behind us. Right. And I'm a big fan of everybody makes mistakes and everybody deserves a second chance. Um, you can't really hold stuff over people forever. Uh, mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, when you have the mindset of that, you just have to kind of pick up the pieces, move on and just rekindle the flame with whatever it is. I mean, there's so many situations where I'll give one quick one that happened about six months ago where it's a perfect example. Um, I play a lot of tabletop competitively as well. And there's a couple people in the scene that are known for cheating and they're basically banned from like 90% events because they cheat. Uh, and we were putting on a big tournament with a big prize pool and uh, we'll get in details down the road about that. But long story short, everybody wanted me to not allow this person to compete in our first tournament that we were putting on. And so I basically had to explain to the entire community and all the staff and everything like that and all the players and say, look, I have never held an event where this person has shown me any type of ill will. So I have no reason to not allow them to come and participate in the event. I was like, the last time that they were said cheating was like eight months or 12 months ago. There's been nothing since because he hasn't been allowed at any events. So I have to allow these players, and there was two players, uh, to come to the event. And I was very transparent with that player. And I said, I'm just letting you know that every single person is telling me not to allow you at the event. And I told him, I said, I'm going to put a ref at your table just to make sure there's no issues or anything like that. And he said, look, man, my goal this year is to completely rectify myself, to show everybody that I was in a dark place in my life. Uh, my mind was not in the right place. I'm a completely different person now. And I want to show everybody that I'm here to play. I'm here to compete. And I never meant to do any of that stuff. And I'm just like, perfect, man. That's an awesome mentality. I will support you right until that person now lets me down. I will support them. And you know, this person at the event is a really, really great person shows some of the top sportsmanship I've ever seen in the, in the game and places fourth place at the event. So it's like, you can't just rob people of 
chances, you have to allow people to prove themselves to you and they either prove themselves or they fail you, right? If he showed up and he failed and he cheated, you're banned from our events for the foreseen future. I'm sorry, but now you've ruined yourself, your second chance with the entire community because we mm. gave you this second chance. So I, I believe in second chances. I believe in being transparent with people, talking to people and allowing them to know exactly where stuff stands. Um, so, you know, we basically closed that door and we said, let's put this all behind us. And now we definitely are okay talking about it open because we go, it's in our past. If people really want to hold that against us and they want to look at that as who we are, then just shame on you, right? Shame on you because that's not who we are. That was a business, number one, a business venture that failed. And it's as simple as that. It has nothing to do with our character. It has nothing to do with who we are. It has nothing to do with what we live for or what we represent in any way, shape, or form. Businesses come and go all the time. They fail all the time, right? Are you going to go and ridicule the smoothie shop that opens and closes down the road because they go out of business? No, you're not. If they go open another business right next door, you're probably going to go there, right? So it's like you have to think of all these different situations and because the internet is so powerful, it allows so many more eyes and so much more criticism to be on it. So I encourage everybody out there to give second chances to people and to allow what is in the past to stay in the past. Like you grow so much as a human being literally every single day. So if six months goes by, if a year goes by, if 10 years goes by, Imagine the person that you were 10 years ago and the person you are today and think about if every single person in your life treated you and held how you were 10 years ago against you and that's all they looked at. Everybody would look at you differently. Everybody would. And the thing to add on to that is when you do hold somebody to that, they it's hard for them to be a different person around you, right? Like let's just say it's a an old friend. It's like if I'm if I have this lens that Brad's mean to me. And every time I show up, I'm thinking Brad's going to be mean to me. The second he may get something that may be a little direct, I interpret that as at being mean to me. So that can only like further your mindset of that. So Brad, yeah. like that was probably one of the best like monologues I've ever seen in my life. Come from <laughs> I saw your face while I was saying it and I just saw like, your face and you're just like, is he really oh. saying this right now? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, super powerful. And I'm just saying that like, I love that second chance thing. I just want to point out and make sure that people aren't trying to do like fourth and fifth chances sure, <laughs> as well. Sure. You know, cause there's the, you know, you want to give those people the second chances at the same time. You don't want to be stuck in a place where it's like, I've tried, I've tried, yes. I've tried, I've tried like this not working. Right. Like there's a time and a place where it's like, I love exactly what you said. I don't want to add too much to that. I just don't want people to get stuck in ruts at the same yeah. time because there's a delicate balance between being humane, loving people, giving people a second chance, and then being an idiot internally and thinking somebody's going to change that's proven to you consistently they don't want to change. Yep. And I think that our relationship is a perfect example of this. I would say that we're on chance number three, though. I think we're pretty close yeah. to it, probably. For sure. Um, and we will we, kind of get into a super personal level of where our three chances kind of started and ended in a future episode. Um, and it's, it's more of a, our, our, I guess our journey though has been in such a different way. And we have now, I feel literally talked it out and that's what has allowed us to move on to what we're doing now and why we're doing this podcast, because we now don't live by each other. We live across the world from each other again. And this keeps us in touch. It keeps us friends. It keeps us motivated. It keeps us positive. And I think that, you know, for me, when one, when Billy wasn't in my life, there's always kind of this void that is missing. And I think that it always comes back around when there is something in your life that is needed to fill an empty hole in your life, but you can't just let it happen. Like you've got to have the openness. You have to have the conversations. You have to be upfront. You have to be direct. And then you just got to, you just got to move on. Screw the past. Absolutely. 
Well said. So we basically are getting ready to start our Smite tournament for the first time. We paid all the AGL players. And I think that's going to be the end of this episode because now we're going to really start. This is the first time we're going to hire people to basically pay them mm. for an event to help us out because we realize that like I physically can't do it all alone because we're not at a venue. We've sold at uh, AGL tournaments where there's 300 people. We're now at a place that's probably two, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people. Oh, you want right? an exact number? I think it was like 1,200 at that venue. If I'm not okay, 1,200. So I'm starting a Brad Smith here. If you guys don't know what a Brad... <laughs> a Brad Smith, dude. The best thing. Happening. Brad is the... Like, when you hear Brad talk about numbers sometimes on this, he's gotten better at it. But there are some things where you might be like, really? You're like, Brad would be like, there's 10,000 people at the event. I'm like, dude, there was 500. <laughs> like when I said a shirt was $2.50, that's a Brad Smith. Yeah, that, that was a 100%. Brad Smith. Because It's just you the first number that comes to my head, I just said. But you don't want to wear that shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and, and as Billy talks about the clothing stuff into the next episode and how that does, I'll talk about some more um, event stuff. Because at this event, being at a bigger venue, there's some real funny stuff that happened. Uh, let me awesome. tell you that. So I've got a couple. I've got two very specific stories from this event uh, that I think everybody will super enjoy. But I think that about does it for episode five. Make sure you like us, comment, subscribe, whatever platform you're listening or watching to. Let us know as well if there's anything you want us to cover as we're going through our, you know, our life ventures. We will catch up to recent times at some point. Uh, so thanks, everybody, again. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you guys out on that next episode. Peace.